Cheryl Shaw, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Mark. And Dr David Tabbert back. Good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Surprised you're here, mate. You've been called up for jury duty again. <laughs> that's they're, coming up. They're always guilty. That's oh, a, I shouldn't say that. That's, that's a way to get off of it, uh, isn't it? I'm just practising now. Practising. Well, I always <laughs> think everyone's guilty and work back from there. There you go. Big program today, Cheryl. What will you be talking about later? I thought we might talk about keeping chickens. And David, you're going to talk about your favourite topic? Uh, being off balance. I was going to Which say is yourself. like doing a show with Mark Raw. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Pet Shout on 2 and you RFM next. Cheryl, did you, I mentioned before the program you were pretty ordinary at parking that car of yours oh. outside. Oh, gee, he's um, cruel today. It took a while. Right. Took, what was going on out there? My little car doesn't like the gutter and it kept beeping at me, so it didn't want to park there. Oh, you got there. David, you, you doing okay today? You ready to go? I've got a reversing camera. <laughs> yeah, me too, me too. So we're making a bit of a change from the, the dogs and cats in our topic this week. You would like to talk about uh, chickens. That's right. And you'll look, that smirk on your face. Obviously, you've never cuddled a chook in your life. Well, my uh, my brother and sister-in-law, they have uh, chickens. And um, when they go on holidays, it's my job to feed the farm. And I have to go and feed oh. feed their uh, animals. And uh, so it's a job I, I don't really enjoy. You don't? No. Oh, okay. Look, keeping chickens is fun, <laughs> regardless to what you say, Mark. They are fabulous for children. So if anybody's thinking about a, an easy animal to have or an easy pet to mm. look after, chickens really fall into that category. They don't take a lot of time and they certainly are inexpensive to keep. So purchasing them is really simple. They're not an expensive pet and you don't have to sort of go and register them. Although you did say something about chickens to me before. Mm, mm. You can't keep there roosters. Are, there are, well, that's right. There are some limits, aren't there? Yes. Living, living in suburbia yes. and chickens, you do have to make sure you know what the council rules are. Yeah. So mm. whichever council you are, you need to make sure what, they, what, what numbers you can keep in your flock. But keeping them... Now, look, housing is... There's so many options to keeping your chooks. You can buy commercial runs. You can buy, like, little hutches. But you can also build your own. So if you're a clever person, you can go and build a hutch. But one of the things with your pen that you make for your birds is to make sure that it is vermin-proof. And that means having the wire going down into the ground so that animals can't dig and get in and get your chooks at night. Because when they're roosting, they're really, really vulnerable to things like rats, snakes, um, to foxes, and even domestic pets. A lot of dogs and cats will search into um, chook pens and they'll be going after either the eggs or the birds themselves. Some to eat, but also some just for the, the kill. They're they're quite happy to go in and, you know, annihilate all of the birds at night. Another good idea too is to put a um, a sensor light on your side of your um, your chook pen because that can deter some of the nocturnal animals. And that's a good idea. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I, had, I had never thought of that. Yeah, so, that's clever. So if you put that light, the, some of them are um, what do they call it solar these days. You can yeah, get the solar ones. Yeah. You don't need to have wiring down in your chook pen, but that will often scare just something that's that's hanging around away from your chooks. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, because once those chooks have roost, they're not going to be clucking away. They're just going to be taken out by the predator. Now another thing is they do need to to scratch around. So letting them out of their run into the yard it'll help your garden because they'll add fertilizers. They'll eat up the bugs and things. So they're a really great um, a pest control for you for your garden. And also, if they're let outside, they won't do some of the behavioural problems that you can sometimes 
um, have in chooks, like some of them will overpreen, some of them will become really, really, you know, nasty towards other chooks and start to have a bit of a pecking and um, some of those undesired behaviours. How do you get around that? Because uh, I'm going to go back to my family's little chook pen. They had three mm-hmm. um, and two were kind of, would sort of gang up on the other one a little bit. So how do we... Is there a way to get around that, behaviourally speaking? Yeah, look, chooks like to have numbers. They like to have a few. They're very, very social creatures, so probably three isn't quite enough. So you'll have one that's singled out by the other two. So, mm-hmm. you know, keeping a few together is a much better idea. The other problem you can run into is when you do introduce a new chook to your chook pen because they'll often pick on that new chook. So it's an idea, again, to buy a few at a time rather than just putting an extra one in. And with chickens, there's so many varieties. It's a little bit like cats and dogs. You know how we've crossbred and we've hybridised them? Chooks are the same. They come in so many different colours and styles. And even their eggs are different. Some obviously lay brown and white eggs, but there's even blue eggs, and all of these eggs are edible. And a good thing with owning your own chooks and, and being able to collect the eggs, you actually know what's going into that chook. You know, you know what you're feeding it. You know what you're giving it. And it really is um, one of those things that it's, it's quite fun to collect eggs. Speaking of, uh, the best diet that we should be putting into our uh, chickens that we've got at home? Okay, so chickens really require a, a balanced diet, just like most pets and, and we need to make sure that it is balanced. They need fats and carbohydrates. They need proteins. They also need vitamin A, B and D and shell grit, another thing that's really important for, for um, chickens. Excellent. Uh, David, some thoughts? And I was just what you were talking about, eggs, Cheryl. Yep. Um, so are there some breeds of chickens that you think are going to be better if you if you wanted to have good-looking chooks or do you want egg layers? Okay, yep. What, are we, what okay, breeds so should we look for? The breed that lays the most eggs is the Isa Brown. So they're really, really mm. popular for egg layers. Usually they lay for about six years and then that's all sort of over. They're retired out mm-hmm. then. Um, but, yeah, there's different different. Birds certainly um, do produce more eggs, so that's a good thing to remember. And, you know, they say that if you keep the, the, the chook's belly full and keep them warm, they'll lay more eggs. But I don't know. I've heard that as an old wives' tale. So maybe hmm. it's true, maybe it's not. And one of the things is that with uh, some people get chickens and they say they bring them, uh, when I was working in general practice, and say, we don't get eggs every day. Uh, and uh, I think we need to correct people's thoughts about this because... <clears throat> Um, when we get eggs from the supermarket and so on, those chickens probably are laying every day or very close to it because the sunlight, the daylight is uh, manipulated. Yes. And the day lengths are kept long, whereas with the natural light cycle, uh, the chickens won't be laying every day. But, um, you know, they should still be putting out a couple to three or four a week, I think. Yeah, sometimes they they go what they call off-lay, so that Mm. will change what's happening. Um, So maybe if they're a bit stressed, like a molt, or if you have had a predator nearby or something, that might be a reason why. can upset them, yes, yeah. But you'd need to also make sure that you are looking after them from a a health aspect as well, making sure that you're worming them regularly, doing things like that, because they can... um, just like anything, any animal become inflicted with worms. Mm. And there, you know, you always got to check your birds if they're just not looking healthy. There's are, are diseases that they can get, so you need to make sure you're keeping a close eye on them. The other thing you did mention about keeping vermin out, and one thing I would also highlight is making sure you've got a cover. Uh, because you don't want other birds getting into your yes, because that's uh, how diseases. Because they, yeah, mm. wild birds can bring in other diseases as well. Yeah. 
Just a quick question from David that's come through. Um, he's he's asked, what causes chickens to eat other chooks' feathers and, and how do you stop them from doing it? I wasn't aware that that was a thing. Oh, like feather picking, I think it would be, that's what it would referring to. And mostly this is a behavioural thing. It's not like a nutritional thing. So uh, as Cheryl was saying earlier, sometimes it's a matter of, you know, if the flock is too small, it's easy for one to get isolated. It may be that the way you've got the pen set up, I think, yeah. could be a factor. Yeah, and there's other things too. Sometimes um, some birds are looking for more fats. So if you are not got enough fat in their diet, they may be, you know, sort of trying to do something like that to, to increase their fat content. There you go. Cheryl Shaw is here, fresh from the, the chicken pen or the chicken coop, <laughs> and Dr David Tabret. We'll start yeah. with you, Seward Valentine. You've got a pup that needs some attention. Yeah, just a quick question. I've got a, I've never found this before. I've always had dogs, and I've got an eight-month-old Labradoodle mm-hmm. and uh, another older dog, and she has a disgusting habit of when my other dog goes, does a poo, she goes and tries to eat it. Mm. And, and you're wondering okay. if she'll stop it or how to stop it? Or both. <laughs> mm. Well, unfortunately, it's in, the, it's in the nature of dogs is one thing. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, to some extent. Um, it's very smelly. And, um, I mean, there, people worry about whether or not there's uh, nutritional problems or behavioural problems. And I think, you know, there might be some cases where that's true. Um, but some dogs just do it because when they're puppies, their mouth is full of um, sensory, you know, um, receptors, and so that's just a way to explore their environment. I do always recommend, obviously, because we're worried about disease spread, and this is is a really big risk for for worms and uh, other parasites. So it's really important that um, you... Tidy up, clean up after your dogs, even in their own backyard. Uh, and oh, yeah, that, that way the little pup won't um, be able to clean up for you. Um, because, yeah, it's a bit disgusting, isn't it, when they do that and then they come in and want to give well, you I, a... I, yeah, I find like, I send one out, the older one out, and I wait for her to go. Then I run out with the shovel. Yes. <laughs> and the other one... Yeah, so I'm continually cleaning up, but I thought I've never come across it before. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's worth making sure you review their diet and make sure mm-hmm. you've you know using a balanced diet. We were talking about balanced diet with chickens, and obviously it's just as important with dogs and cats and people. And so, mm-hmm. just making sure you know, in most cases, a good quality uh, commercial dog food will make sure you're hitting all of the nutritional targets. Um, but beyond that, in, in most cases, it's just they're exploring the environment. Ah, ah, okay. <laughs> they do. They do often grow out of it, but I think you need to make sure you try and prevent it as much as possible. Thank you very much, Sue and Robert from Raymond Terrace. You have a question about poultry so, today. Not too bad. You had a call. You've. I heard you. Twitch on. Heard you talking about um, poultry. Mm-hmm. Uh, mainly layers. Yep. Yeah. Just to quickly fill you in. I was grew up on a in a chicken hatchery, commercial chicken hatchery up in Tamworth. All right, yep. So there's not much I don't know about poultry. Cool. Have you got some chooks yourself now, Robert? Not at the moment, but oh look, I could soon run them. I'll just sort of work a little bit backwards. The last person asking about the why do the chooks pick at the you know other Feathers, yep 
other feathers. It's called the pecking order. Mm. And, you know, it's just one of those things they can get. Uh, it's one trying to be dominant over the other. Right, okay. Basically. Now, we used to find, I don't know whether you can still get it, but if there was a, we found a, we used to be able to do it, but I think you're not allowed to anymore, is D-beak, which you'd cut the top beak back a fraction. Mm. Yeah, and you're not allowed to do grab. that anymore. No. Uh, we used to get a thing called Pryor's Balsam. Oh, right. that stinks, that's And put, <laughs> if you can still get it, it's something that, anything that tastes horrible, and yep. you put it on the one that's been picked, and they generally pick at the tail. There you go. So you put it on there, and hopefully it uh, and stops then when the... the next, when it comes and tries to pick again, ooh, I don't like that taste. Yeah. This, uh, this reminds me of something that I did when um, I was at uni, when uh, we did a behaviour, I think it was fourth year behaviour, we actually sat in a chook shed and watched chooks behaviour for three hours. Wow, that, tu- that, that tuition money really paid off, didn't <laughs> and, it? And, and we actually put different items into the shed to see how the chickens would react. And I actually had to compare the different behaviour with chickens interacting with a ping pong ball or a passion fruit. <laughs> no, they do experiments like that with children sometimes, don't they? I think the yeah. experiment was being done on me. <laughs> I think the lecturer was saying, let's see how silly we can push these vet students. Well, they passed you through, but mate, so you must have done okay. Well, yes, but on chook behaviour, maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. You can't be good at everything, right? Thank you. Cheryl Shaw, Dr. David Tabbert, they are uh, standing by. Glenn at North Rothbury, you have a question for the gang today. Good afternoon, Glenn. Oh, hi. Yeah, uh, two questions. I've got some uh, bantam chickens. I was just, um, firstly, I was just wondering how long they live for. I, know, I noticed you said they have a, like an egg production of about six years. Is that a, a, like a large chicken, I, I imagine? Well, the Isa Browns usually live, or they lay for about six years, but they live longer than that, um, uh, unless they, you know, sort of something happens along the way. But um, but with the bantams, their life expectancy, I'm not a hundred percent sure of. There, they're um, are actually beautiful birds to look at. Are yours really colourful? Yeah, I've got a few different varieties, and we've got six. I'd like to get twelve eventually, and get a few more different varieties. Oh, you might go to the show bench one day. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, and a bit hard to locate. Not many people sell them now, but anyway. Um, I was just wondering how long they live for, you, uh, like opposed to a big chicken. You, you don't know? Or... About eight years, generally. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. So would they lay for six then, the same as the others? Uh, well, the Isa Browns usually lay a lot longer, but probably about four four years, maybe laying. For a bantam? Yep. Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just one other question. I know... Um, there would be a difference in what you feed them, of course, but in your opinion, do you reckon the eggs are nutritionally better than store-bought eggs, like if you let the chooks out every now and again and that sort of thing? Oh, look, I wouldn't be able to judge um, on that. I, I think most of the the thing about our store-bought eggs is that the diets are uh, set up and controlled to make sure that we get maximum nutrition. A lot of people, obviously, you know, concerned about different elements in that, and um, but I, I, I think you'd find across the board that our... Eggs quality mm. in Australia is very, very good. 
Um, I know that a lot of people feed their chooks mung beans, and the mung beans are supposed to centre the egg yolk and things like this. There's a whole really? lot of different, you know, chook people are different. They've got a lot of little things they do to make, make their eggs taste better or yellow or yolks and things so, so like some, that. So are some of them they like taste... urban myths or do they work? No, I, I think that oftentimes it's more the connection that, you know, if you're the mm. person who raised the chickens, you know your chickens, yep. you know what you're feeding them, it's just that connection and you know what the chickens put in to make the eggs for you. So I, I just think it's yeah. part of that whole experience yeah. that actually, because when we eat food, when we taste, it's it's not just what goes in our mouth, it's how we think about yeah. it. It's that total connection. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I think that's where a lot of that comes from yeah. as well. All righty, you're heading to Curry and Jan, you've got a uh, got a dog question this time. Oh, your dog is eating other dogs' droppings. Jan, what's going on? Okay, I've um, got a chronic one of them. She's 13 mm. now. Um, and many, many years ago, someone told me to put pineapple juice in her food. And, but all the dogs, not just her food, but everybody's food. And I find when I've done that, she doesn't do it. Mm. The yeah. flavour of the pineapple goes through the dog and turns off the one. She will go off it. I'll give them pineapple juice. She'll stop doing it for a while. Maybe a year or two later, she'll start again. So a little bit more pineapple juice and like for a few days. Give it time, go through the system. There you go. Yeah, I've but actually boys. heard that as well, but putting dried pineapple in their kibble. Yeah, and... Oh, um, I just buy the poppers you get for the kids. Just oh. a bit of juice and pour it over their, their dog food and they love it. Oh, that's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. I guess whatever works, do it till it stops working, don't I've it? Heard, I've heard um, people use chilli powder. Oh, that's a bit cruel. <laughs> Why? Oh, it might be okay for us, but those mucous membranes on those dogs, come on. Well, you know... Come on, David, we you're, and you're the vet here. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know whether the dogs actually have capsaicin receptors in their mouth that would register the heat. Because I've seen little dogs eat chilies pretty yeah. easily. Maybe at uni they should have put you with the dogs <laughs> instead of the chooks looking at the ping pong ball. Yeah, he was out there doing all that stuff. We are still talking chickens, and Helen at Raymond Terrace, you have a chicken question this afternoon. Helen. Uh, Mm. 
the smaller ones have gone off the line, but the, the three of them have just started laying in the last month. So, um, uh, that, that, yeah, that that was going to that was going to be my question, Helen, about their laying while they're um, getting finicky about their food. Um, so some of them are still laying, even though they're not eating the food, the the scratch so, mix. Yeah. So the three white leghorns have just started laying, and I'm getting sixty, 60 gram eggs. I'm getting beautiful tasting, lovely yellow eggs. Wow. Um, but they don't want to eat the food that I'm putting in. The pan. I've got no vermin, um, and they're in one of those. The food is in, so I'm putting it in a container as well as scattering it around as well. Yep. Yeah. So, yep. Yeah, sounds like you're doing all the things I would be suggesting. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> you know, looking at it from a behavioural point of view and trying to change how you're feeding them, and you know, different times of day, and changing when you're letting them out, and things like that. Clearly, they're still getting enough nutrition um, because they would. St- Stop laying pretty quickly if they felt their plane of nutrition was decreasing. So they're still fulfilling that. And I think you've proven that chickens are actually do have a flavor palette that they can distinguish, you know, what their favorite foods are. Um, I don't have a good answer for you because I think you're on the right path with trying different things. Cheryl, mm. any ideas with uh, Helen's problem? It sounds like they are getting enough um, nutrient to be able to continue to mm. fulfil their life cycle with with laying eggs. Well, the other thing I would just double check because obviously it's more than one that's doing it, but just making sure that they're thoroughly wormed, um, and also that we don't have any uh, feather mites or parasites that could be affecting their behaviour as well. Because you know, if they um, had another disease factor, I think that could also affect their appetite. Mm. Mm. Um, rather than an ind- individual bird that would be sick that's off food. If it's more than one, I think, um, you know, in a in a small pen, it's if one gets worms, the others will get them yeah, that's right. as well. Yeah. So I, I'd be making sure they're worm, make sure you don't have any external parasites and probably just trying to find a different food that they might be keen on. But if they're laying eggs, then I think that's fine. We are back with Pet Chat this afternoon, and before we get into the dog of the week, which mm. Cheryl is very excited to do, David is uh, Dr. David Tabard. You you want to talk about yourself? So we'll give you a couple of minutes, mate. Um, you had a bit of a health problem this week. Yeah, I popped into the doctors and um, said, "Look, I've got this balance problem. Sometimes I turn my head and feels like it's you know slow. Everything's slow. Um, so anyway, everything's fine, Mark. It's okay." okay. Um, you you're, just, put... you're just looking bad, that's all. But your health is okay. You just naturally look that bad. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, But the doctor asked a very interesting question and said, do dogs get balance problems? And I said, that is a fantastic question and one that I will address on Pet Chat tomorrow. Make sure you're listening between 12 and 1 on 2NUR-FM. So here we are. Yes, they do. And in fact, they get them balance problems quite frequently. And so part of this is that the anatomy of dogs and people, I guess. But uh, what we see with dogs, balance comes from the ears and interacts with the brain. Okay, so this is why you can get seasick is because your ears are telling you you're moving and your eyes are saying you're still and your brain doesn't like that and so you vomit because you think you've got a toxin in your system. And uh, we can get balance problems if you've got an ear infection. A severe ear ear infection that goes down to the uh, middle ear can actually start to produce balance problems. And interestingly, we'll see a problem called nystagmus. So nystagmus, N-Y-S-T-A-G-M-U-S, 
is where the eyes will be oscillating from side to side or up and down or round and round. They'll do any of those things. Sounds like a song, doesn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like play school. Here we go. So um, this tells us that the input from the ears or part of the brain to the eye movement has been disrupted in some way. So I've talked about the ear problem. We see that a lot. As people know, dogs get ear problems. They don't all go on to get this uh, nystagmus. They don't all go on to get balance problems, but some of them can. But we also see brain problems. And so that can be things like infections, like meningitis or encephalitis. They can have inflammation in there. They can have uh, blood vessel problems where they get infarcts, kind of like a stroke, I guess you would say. Um, We see that maybe with chronic kidney disease or chronic high blood pressure. We also see tumours that can cause this sort of thing. So obviously, depending on what the vet finds when they examine your dog, if you see this oscillating with their eyes or they're falling to the left or right or uh, circling, and in some dogs they actually can't even stand up at all, and they just roll over and over and over. They'll just roll around. And uh, it's very, um, I guess, distressing. Mm-hmm. For, for the dogs because they're feeling really nauseous. So part of it we treat is with um, anti-nausea medication. And then obviously we need to find out what the cause is. So for ear disease, often we'll need to then flush those ears out and uh, start them on a course of antibiotic ear drops, things like that. But in other circumstances, we sometimes need to do surgery. And obviously if we're worried about brain disease, then we need to go looking there with either a CT or an MRI scan just as they do with people but uh, my mri has been put off for the moment okay that's a good thing david yes thank you for letting us know about that cheryl sure we've got to finish up with the the dog of the week but some good news from uh last couple of dogs that we've had on the program i know it's that little dog you really liked yeah Remember I that know. cattle dog well yep. both of those dogs of that week bean and Boof, both got homes isn't that great? That's fantastic. It must have been the read that you gave them. You, were, you, you sort of were able to sell them pretty well. Oh, do you think so? I think well, so. Let's go with today's. Okay, so we've got Lainey, a playful Mastiff cross puppy. Oh, she's only eight weeks old. She's a really confident little puppy with a lot of attitude. Lainey's very sweet and she craves cuddles. <clears throat> she's healthy. She's been raised in a home environment and well socialised with other puppies and she gets along with them. She likes to meet people and is friendly and affectionate. She's not suitable for a home with cats or pocket pets, or she might chase them, so not a good idea. Mm. Mm. Lainey will grow up to be a medium dog, and we recommend puppy training classes um, with her new family as she starts her life. All dogs and puppies need plenty of affection, exercising and training. Lainey will be a friendly adult dog of her size, or bigger as a, or a bigger or as bigger as a teacher. Or she may be better as a teacher, I think they mm. meant to say. She's um, going to be big if she's bigger than a teacher. I know. It's a massive dog. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> she will be a wonderful family dog due to her size and the love of jumping is suitable for children um, eight years and older, so not with little children and not with small pets. Lainey's not desexed yet and she's be available for adoption, but you'll have to bring her back to have her desexed. Her price will be $550, including mm-hmm. her desexing, microchipping and she has been treated for worms and fleas. Wonderful. So uh, I think, uh, Cheryl, you're off to get a dog this afternoon yourself, aren't you? Well, I'm paying for a new dog today, yeah. Yeah, yeah you've got to pull those stocks back up. You used to have four, you're down to one. Yeah, down to one. Yeah. My beautiful Avalon. It's going to get a sister. Mm. Wonderful. And, David, any, any pets at your place? I've never asked you this. How? You don't know? 
No. About my dog? No. Oh, I thought everyone knew. No. I thought she was famous. <laughs> I, was, I was down in Beaumont Street this morning and this lady walked up, this girl walked up and she said, oh, I think she's put on some weight since I saw her last. And I thought, oh. There you go. Okay. She's that famous. Amy, my Australian bulldog. Everyone's got a pet but me. Cheryl Shaw, good program. Thank you for you for your help today. Thank you, Mark. Dr. David Tabbert, we'll see you next time as well. Yes, sir. And a great talk about chickens today. We, we, we sort of did something a little bit different. Mm. Any last thoughts on, on Shooks before we get out of here? Mm. I'm, I, I think, I think well go, back to, go back to what Cheryl said. They're great pets for kids. They are. Mm. And they teach them responsibility. There you go. Alrighty, that's Pet Chat for this afternoon and another a great program coming up next week as well. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>